Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. What's going on, movie fans? This is another episode of Anatomy of a Movie, where today we're talking about Big Time Adolescence, the new Hulu film starring Pete Davidson. I'm Ryan Nilsson, senior producer at Popcorn Talk, and I'm joined by two really special guests. Holy cow, it's their first time on Popcorn Talk Network. First up, to my digital left, right, he is a writer. He's an Ariana Grande stan. He is Brian Santos. How you doing? <laughs> I am doing great. That was me whipping my imaginary ponytail like Ariana Grande. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And... Beneath here, as you can see on the stream, she is a big host of AfterBuzz TV. She's a screenwriter and a big movie lover. We've been talking about doing this movie for quite a while. Trina Dong, how you doing? What's up? I'm excited to be here with the two of you. I know. This is this is quite the trio we got going on here. And again, we are talking about this movie via Zoom due to the coronavirus. So, you know... What, what better to do than watch some movies while you're stuck at home? And there's some great ones on these digital platforms, one of which being what we're talking about today, Big Time Adolescence. Uh, I had only I'd seen this movie popped up a few times on Hulu. I hadn't heard much about it. But oddly enough, today I was calling one of my best friends, wishing a happy birthday, and they watched this last night. So there are people checking this out on the streaming platforms. Today we're going to be talking about our overall thoughts on the movie, reviewing it, going down the writing casting the performances as well as some awesome uh production background we're going to get into especially with the director jason orley um talking some cool trivia trina's got for us down below and and then comparing our thoughts to what what most people are thinking what the audience scores are and critics but first off let's get overall thoughts starting with bryant what'd you think of big time adolescence all right this movie was just it was quite the roller coaster of just different things happening to everybody. We saw so many different storylines, so many different arcs with every single character. Um, but actually, you know what, and Brian, that... I, I want to I actually, this, I'm, I'm going to test it right here. Uh, before yes. we even get into the opinion, can you actually just do like a quick rundown? Like, how would you even describe this movie to people? Like, what do you think yes. like a log line is? For sure. Uh, Oh gosh, this is about, this is, I'm sure they use it all the time in Hollywood. This is a coming of age movie about, (laughs) about a, someone who meets someone that is so impactful in their life. And I guess he's kind of from, I don't know if you want to say the wrong side of the tracks or, you know, just not the best influence that one can have in their life. And we see that he's trying to navigate his own upbringing while being with somebody who is kind of stuck in that same age with him, which is such a weird dynamic. And yeah, that's kind of what happens. We meet different characters, Zeke and Monroe and um, the sister, Kate, so many different characters that contribute to their main storyline for the two of them. And it just, it's a lot of big time adolescence. (laughs) Couldn't have put it better myself. And uh, thank you for giving us that that brief log line. Now, what did you think of the (laughs) um yeah so it was yeah a roller coaster of emotions and i think everybody had their own development their own like story that they went on but i think the only person who i who didn't do anything for me or who didn't have any kind of like development was zeke which is the main character like i feel like he was stagnant and didn't even learn his lesson even at the end of the movie 
And I just, I can't deal with that. And of course, everyone knows I'm the biggest Ariana Grande stan. And that's not just me being biased to <laughs> Davidson. So, yeah. <laughs> Trina. Get, First of all, I don't believe you that it's not because you're biased to Ariana Grande. <laughs> but I'll try to keep that to myself the rest of the time. Um, I thought it was just a Lost Boys 2 Hollywood version. <laughs> I we don't see a whole lot of male coming of age stories in that teen kind of genre, mm -hmm. but it wasn't necessarily a teen genre because you have two lost boys of different age groups and kind of watching them wander was painful for me, not in a way of how, whether I liked the movie or not, just in a way of, come on guys, let's get it together. And how the lessons just weren't being learned which I suppose is reality, mm. but it was difficult to watch all of the characters just kind of stumble around. And it's not just the people that the leads, it was everybody kind of didn't really know what they were doing with their lives. So I agree with the roller coaster. Everybody was up and down for me. Yeah, I think um, that was one thing. I agree with you. I, it was, it was, I found this movie very entertaining. I, I laughed a lot. And there were a few moments where I was getting, I felt a little bit of emotion, like in, in a sad sense. Uh, I think there were some frustrating aspects to it, particularly with what y'all were saying with, uh, with Zeke's character. And I think that was the point for the most part. However, after a while, I felt like Monroe's dad. And I was just like, get it together, like grow up. <laughs> yeah. And you know, we've seen a lot of similar characters to the one Pete Davidson plays in this movie and other films. I was actually re-watching the movie Swingers um, a little earlier mm -hmm. this morning, which stars uh, Vince Vaughn and Jon Favreau. And Vince Vaughn's character in that movie is a lot similar to Pete Davidson's. It's like this guy who, you know, mid-20s, he's just not really growing up. He's sort of stuck in the past. And I think that works really well as a side comedic character, but he is basically a co-lead in this movie yeah. and I think this movie flirts a lot with some it's trying to say a lot about not growing up and I think there's a lot of effective beats particularly with Monroe's character and I for the most part really enjoyed what they did with his character but I was a little confused with what they were trying to ultimately do with Pete Davidson's and although I was really entertained throughout the entire movie, and I actually would probably recommend people see it if they're stuck at home and want to binge something funny, um, mm -hmm. I was ultimately kind of frustrated uh, by the ending. But we're going we're gonna to get into it right here. Uh, first off, just talking about the performances, I actually thought Pete Davidson was really funny in this movie and not in a, like an ironic type of way. Maybe that was just me. Like, what did you think, Brian? Did did he did his performance sell you? Were you drawn to someone else? It's funny. I mean, maybe because um, I feel like he is that in real life. So I think like that's not. I'm not saying that he's like a mess, <laughs> which is so mean to say. But like, I feel <laughs> like that people have this persona of him, and that's kind of how he portrays himself to the media. Um, which, of course, like I said, I know this because of Ariana Grande. Um, but. I think that it was kind of easier for him to play this role. So um, while that's a testament to his acting, if he was a great actor because he could play basically something that he does in his real life, or if it's not really him and he had to really struggle to play with his character. Um, so I think his performance was really great. I also loved um, Monroe's performance as well. I think that he was a very, very strong actor. We saw him in Lock and Key, which I was on the after show for, and I definitely got to talk about how he 
was so great in that show just coming in mid-season. So he's a very strong actor as well. So I think the casting was great. Everyone had their own solid performance um, and they all contributed very much to, to the movie. So. And that's Griffin Gluck, I'm pretty sure. That's the name. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. He was awesome in this. I thought he was yes. great. Yeah. He's and always great. Always. Uh, this is actually one of the first times I've actually seen him. Uh, so oh. I was incredibly impressed. And he really mm-hmm. sold this, he, like, looking up to Pete Davidson's character. I mean, I feel like we've all had someone like that growing up, whether yeah. it was, like, an actual brother or a friend that you kind of look up to. And then if you see that, you know, they're stuck and they're not moving on it's fun for a few it's fun for a night but then after multiple days it starts to get a little sad uh trina any big performance that stuck out to you during this movie well first on the pete davidson front i think it really depends on what they wanted for the character whether or not he did this bang up job or not if they wanted him to just be this guy that just does things and you know doesn't really think too much about what's going on then he killed it but if they wanted more depth out of it that we missed then you know because i wanted more depth out of him and i'm not sure what the point was what i want or what they want usually what i want (laughs) is what's in my head but probably not um so for that i didn't hate watching him but like brian said i did see it as one of pete davidson's vibes Mm. as far as griffin gluck i think he kills it didn't overdo it was just really playing to the role really well i liked the girls in it i wish we could have seen more of the girls but i know it wasn't you know a female driven story so i totally get it Mm. but i'm a fan of one of the girls which i'll save because it's part of the trivia later but i thought they were great so overall, I think the ladies did it the best for me. Nice. Yeah. And I'm now getting more into the plot here. I think uh, one of our first topics, thoughts on when we first see why Mo, Monroe, and Zeke are so attached. Uh, did you guys, how believable do you think, how well was that set up uh, up top? Just seeing like, okay, they're cool. Seeing if first, you know, he, he dated his sister, Kate, and then they just be, stayed friends. Uh just thoughts on this whole opening sequence and setting the tone for that, Trina. I thought it was not believable at <laughs> all. You're not just going to take a kid from his home that clearly has parents that are paying attention. Mm. He's not just going to jump in the car and everything's okay. And as an older person that just got dumped, you wouldn't say, yeah, come on in. Let's go for a ride. So I thought that was pretty not believable at all but it is a testament to their attachment i get it if that's the type of style that relationship is that's the person that first accepted you probably outside of that home then i get where the attachment is so i'm iffy yeah uh bryant did you up the opening sequence up top what do you think um i liked it from a stylistic perspective i thought it was really really interesting to kind of show that relationship development or him kind of growing up right before our eyes um being so centered around zeke the whole time i do agree with trina that it was not believable that that kid who was apparently like 10 years old would jump into this person's car who was like what seven years older than him um Mm -hmm. and takes them out to do god knows what so I think mm. it was definitely a weird um, setup, but I did like the entire opening sequence of just from a stylistic perspective. Yeah, and uh, we have an interesting question here. I think Trina, you posed is that who were we watching come of age in this movie? Mm-hmm. Is it 
Is it Mo or is it Zeke? And I think for a while it's both in different ways, but by the end it was really just just Mo. Uh, that even I think there's that really kind of intense scene towards the end where his dad goes to Zeke's house, mm-hmm. hits him, and then tells him to just stay away from his son. And I, yeah. I they flirted with the idea of Pete Davidson kind of taking the fall for his for what Monroe got caught for with, with mm-hmm. the cops and yeah. he doesn't do it ultimately mm-hmm. I I found that to be believable like a more realistic turn but at the same time it, it, it kind of deflated my entire thoughts on the character of Zeke but maybe that was the point like what, what do you think Trina I think that we we're watching Mo obviously but we're also watching a kid grow up and it was kind of the inevitable. He comes from a place where he knows right and wrong. He just had to get there. So we kind of knew that was coming. But I thought that the narrative was more following Zeke to see if he was going to fail his big coming of age moment. And he did it. So he, he did, did. He did. Yeah. Did it. Yeah. yeah. I was like, he did. So he <laughs> did it. Where did what movie did you see? Well, Directors. Yeah. No. Uh, so I think that he, we were following him. It's just sad that we followed him go nowhere Mm. Brian Mm -hmm. do you feel the same I do and I 100% agree with you that it was believable because I think they set it up in the show of basically like when they first introduced this whole concept of the drug ring or whatever it is um that Pete uh Zeke was like you know I can't I can't be the front man for this because I could go to prison I could do harder time than what Mo would do he would just get a slap on the wrist because he's a kid um which of course he didn't get a slap on the wrist he got expelled but it was definitely worse than what someone like Zeke would get who is a fully fled full-fledged adult so I think that it was definitely believable in the sense that he although we would want to see that character fully developed and for him to learn his lesson he obviously didn't and they portrayed that he didn't learn his lesson because he continued to do the same thing he continued on this path to nowhere like Trina said so I was hoping that it was going to happen but it obviously didn't yeah I think when it comes to the believability I actually really admired the way they did a lot of the party scenes like Mm -hmm. for a lot of Hollywood movies that just don't really nail it uh I've only seen like a few that actually get pretty close to accurate. Like Euphoria was a great example of one. Yeah. She shares an actress in this uh, that I thought crushed it. Just depicting like an actual like high school party or, or a college party. I thought they did a really good job with this, but there were certain characters that Zeke and Mo are hanging out with that we just <laughs> aren't ever really told who they are. They're kind of just there in the background and, and, mm-hmm. Even Mo talk, sharing, like, oh, yeah, we should come back to this house, and it's all the guys, and we never really are introduced to these other guys. They just kind of fly in and out. Who do you think this older squad was? Like, who even were they? Trina, help me out here. I love Machine Gun Kelly, so I was just <laughs> down that he was in it. He, I... I love him because I don't, I'm just intrigued by him. I don't really get his thing, but Colson Baker, the actor, I get because aside from this performance, he's actually been really good in a I, lot of I things. I thought he was hysterical in this. I thought he was he's really good. Yeah. yeah. And so I still don't really know who they are, but I guess you have to have those guys. They have to have a deadbeat crew. And because they're not going to last in that 
small circle of life without the people saying, this is okay, keep doing this. So I liked that they were there because if they weren't, it would be way more boring in all of those scenes. But that scene with Sophie on their date, when he was like, come, it's really cool. And she was just like, why yeah and i was surprised that he stuck up for how cool it was till the very end and then somehow she was convinced too that it was cool so they got me they got you (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i mean brian i i i was that that was a part of the movie that i thought again it's it was really entertaining like i thought they Mm -hmm. they pulled it off with the depiction but in the long run looking back on it there, these scenes didn't really they only added up to I, I, they ultimately didn't really have a payoff as opposed to just with Zeke's character because you're, mm-hmm. you're right Sophie did like kiss him at the end of the night and they had a great mm-hmm. night uh, it, it goes into I think the advice that Zeke was giving him and like bring him bring her over and show her the guys but then don't talk to her and I, I felt like it was a little are they trying to say like some of Zeke's advice is really helpful some of it isn't Brian, what do you yeah. think? Yeah, I definitely already hated that setup with his advice. <laughs> He's like, I was like, God, he is totally giving him. And again, it's believable because I feel like that is stupid things that men do. Sorry to men everywhere out there. Um, but <laughs> I feel like it's like that is something that people really do. You know, they play these games and apparently Zeke is, is his advice works for him. And I think that's what they were trying to say. And that's what Trina alluded to is the fact that he's continuing on this path because things have been working for him. So doing all this BS with, with girls, apparently it's still working for him because he's still sleeping with his ex, um, which is Mo's sister. And he has all these girlfriend, different girls lined up to, you know, to hook up with and stuff. So I think the reason why they're showing his advice is because he's trying to say that that's the reason he's kind of stuck around through everything for so long. And the fact that Mo is still following him is because all these things have worked in his favor for so long and it hasn't come to a head yet, which thankfully came to a head, even though he didn't learn his lesson, he's still kind of, got that wake up call that he needed mm. yeah mm-hmm. I, th- I think it, it is that wake up call but it's it's sad to watch I, th- I felt uh as entertaining as it was in these scenes when mo was involved it, it became sad after a while which mm-hmm. i think became sad for the audience a lot sooner than it did for mo's character like i was already kind of off the pete davidson bandwagon in this movie Yes. Probably like an hour in, and it only yeah. took two hours for it, for Mo to get off the bandwagon. Uh, <laughs> the relationship with the dad is really interesting in this movie. At first, I thought, "Wow, this is funny!" Like he he gets a typecast like this for the, as this dad in a lot of uh, different content from Two and a Half Men, uh, and now and in this movie. But I actually thought it was really sincere by the end, and I. I mm-hmm. didn't really think it was all too cliched. Like I thought that was actually, I think how a parent would kind of interact with their, their kid who's getting involved in all this. What did you think of his performance, Trina? I mean, at the end of the day, I think he played it well. And just a guy that's trying to figure out how to be a dad to someone like that. I think there's, he knows that if he goes too far, the kid's going to run away. Cause John that's Cryer. what kids do. John Cryer. Yeah. And so he knows that that could happen if he goes too hard but if he's too soft who knows what'll happen to his kid and i think he played it very well there Mm. wasn't a whole lot to it maybe the mom should have had an equal stance in it again i think it was uh um, 
a men driven film for good reason. That's what it's about. And so I think that's why the mom had a little bit of a backseat just to us. So it seemed like he was kind of trying to pull this off on his own and like, I got it, let me deal with it. And then by the end, he flipped. And then we saw what happened. He so flipped. I thought like, he was great though. Like, I love him. Don't tell your mother. <laughs> <When they get it. laughs> exactly, exactly. Like keep it quiet. I lost it. Yeah, I, I think John Carr is great. Uh, speaking of the women though, I, I'd love to get both of your guys' opinions on this. You're right. Like. Uh, this movie and the, and the directors even said this doesn't pass the Bechdel test. Like there isn't a scene where two women are talking about something other than men at all in this movie. But they seem to be the smartest characters in this movie. Like they're definitely portrayed more intelligent than any of the male characters. Where do we stand on that, uh, Brian and Trina? Let's go with Brian first. Uh, well, as the biggest feminist in the world, <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> over that um <laughs> yeah. i 1000% agree though that they were very much smarter than everybody because they definitely had their their life together you know even though holly was both holly and kate were dating this deadbeat loser they were they were not letting him bring them down they were still continuing on their life path they were still doing what they need to do but for some weird reason they're just drawn to him or they're just drawn back to this toxic character um so of course we set up, we get that set up that these women are so they're strong and they're level-headed. They have a good head on their shoulders, but there's just something so enticing about Zeke, um, about his lifestyle that they keep running back to. So that was definitely a really great complex that they portrayed. And, and again, of course, the realism of it is that there's just these people that you're drawn to. And there's these people that no matter how much you try to get away from them, they keep drawing you back in, um, no matter mm -hmm. how much you have your stuff together and they don't. So I love seeing that, but women need to just, they needed to be portrayed a little bit better in my opinion, but it, it was good. Uh, yeah. Trina, what'd you think? <laughs> I mean, I just understand where a writer's coming from and he wrote a, a boy's story. And yeah. so we can't really expect a lot more from him to, you know, to add to a story that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's one thing that we always have to, you know, hold the beat and say, we're the ladies. Oh, okay. This is really a men's story. But like you said, they did portray, he did portray them as the smartest ones. He made sure that the women weren't being treated like idiots because they aren't. But when you have people in situations like Zeke and Mo, they don't want the smart people around. Mm. They're not going to keep the smart people close. They're going to keep them as far away as possible. And so I think in from that point of view, it makes sense that they're just in the background. And you're right. Holly and Kate keep going back to someone that they want to change. That is just a thing that we do whether you're male female i think that's something that happens when you're a good person with he your head on your shoulders you want to help the others yeah and so but then you walk away eventually and they it, did it's like a it's a fine line i i agree i agree with you trina i think it is like a boy's story and i do think that you know the, the female characters were the more intelligent in every room in every in every scene mm -hmm. uh but and then just there were some frustrating moments though like you're right holly and uh kate do go back to him a few times but even at the end there when mo is with holly and like mm -hmm. loses his virginity to holly statutory rape by the way i have to put that out there in the world yeah serious <laughs> come on there is the other way it does work the other way too that, that happened that that happened uh yikes it was 
I th- I was glad to see Mo got his like comeuppets when um when she tells him off in the later scene because like he 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 has yeah. sex with Holly, and then the next night or maybe even later that night at the party, no, it's the next day at the party he confronts um oh my god what's her name I'm completely blanking Sophie so he confronts Sophie again and she's like no you're an asshole <laughs> yeah and, mm-hmm. so I was happy that happened I was really worried that he was that she was just gonna immediately forgive him because mm-hmm. that seems to be what's going on with what's happened with Zeke a lot of time and he ultimately learns his lesson and gets expelled so I think it's great. To, I think it's important to to identify it and mention it. But yeah, you're right. I think it ultimately is like that boy's story, and I don't know if we're fully expecting it in this movie. Although we we should get it regardless. Um, going more and just to the end of the story here with with uh, that betrayal. You know, he goes. He he ends up with Holly, and then he confesses it to Zeke, and Zeke barely reacted. I felt. I thought I was expecting a little bit more from that scene. Like I was expecting there to be a little bit more feeling, but what do you think they were trying to say with his lack of response to that? Trina. Uh, I mean, it was obvious that he was going to respond like that. He's been responding like that to literally everything that's been happening. So he doesn't really care. Uh, But they were just trying to, and I don't even think Mo was, trying to throw anything at anybody he was just listing all the awful things that he had been doing because Mm -hmm. Zeke was in his life and to him it was tragic that he'd done this to him and so I also think Zeke's character wanted to not make him feel any worse because he didn't really know how to handle the moment in itself but yeah he doesn't care about Holly all he cares about is Kate and that is what started his failure spiral so he doesn't care about Holly. Yeah. Uh, Brian, again, was this just another moment of, <laughs> of <laughs> yes. toxicity? <laughs> it was. It was yeah. pure toxicity. And it just, it's it's a testament to um, how passive he is and how he has really just been coasting throughout his entire life of not, um, I guess, not confronting things, um, not confronting things that happen to him and then like not taking responsibility for things that he does to other people. So mm-hmm. I think it's just everything kind of, he's used to that. And like we said in the end, he didn't, he didn't learn his lesson, even though there was a lesson to be taught. Um, he, he had that moment and he still didn't learn from it. He still didn't learn from it and he still continued his toxic behavior. So it's just a testament to how passive he is and how he's just coasting through life and is never going to learn. And so I guess something possibly worse could happen. You know, we hope it doesn't get to that, but that's maybe the only time he's going to really wake up. Yeah. It's frustrating. I, I think just going more into like our, our overall like reviewing of this film, what do you think was the biggest, what was your biggest criticism of this? And what do you wish was added? Cause I, I felt like I was missing just like one or two more scenes of some some character growth with with both of these characters but mostly Zeke that I thought really could have helped this movie a lot but at the end of the day when you see that that final scene and, and Zeke hasn't grown up he's still working at like a fast food place he's not moving on I don't really know how much that could have even added to it uh Trina what biggest criticism what do you think well the one scene that really got me was when he was teaching him how to bat when they were in the batting cages. And he was like, just keep low. And then fast forward, we went to the baseball game and 
the reason why he'd done that was so he could get, you know, four balls and go to first right. play or first base. Basically like and so, the system, yeah. Exactly. And so if you were paying attention, you got that. But if you had already kind of fallen off by the baseball game, you didn't understand the manipulation that went along with what Zeke's character had done. And so I wish there was more of that, more of us disliking Zeke for good reason, because that was a good reason to be like, that's not your boy. You're not protecting your boy. You're kind of ruining him. So I wish there was more of that. And then I think I would have been a little more attached to all of them. That's a great, great scene to pick right there. Uh, Mm -hmm. Bryant, what do you think? I know it's so funny that you mentioned that, Trina, because as a former baseball player, like I was like <laughs> totally thinking about that. I was like, he just like walked on purpose. Like that mm-hmm. was so crazy. And it's it's so interesting that you bring it up that it, again, he's teaching him how to just coast by, how to do the bare minimum and not really do everything, you know, do things to the best of his ability, which is showing more of his character. So um, while I think that you, uh, it, I agree with you that the fact that it was kind of choppy where it was introduced and then maybe like 30 minutes later it was revisited, I think they could have had better execution on that. Um, it definitely was a good point to bring up. Another thing I would bring up too is that, um, like you were saying, Ryan, it was kind of stagnant for most of the movie. So for example, like I paused the movie at like an hour 15 and I was like, wait, there's only 15 minutes left here. And there's still, I still didn't get any kind of payoff yet. Like Mm. I was still there waiting, you know? So I feel like it kind of dragged throughout the whole thing. And there was kind of these hit or miss moments. Um, But I think what I would critique about the movie is just waiting till the very, very, very last minute to like, give me anything. Like it literally, there was nothing until that last moment. So yeah, and I think it's it's a pretty straightforward story in that, you know, it's it's this kid, Mo, who wants to, he looks up to Zeke, but you're realizing, like, Zeke's a loser slowly but surely, and then ultimately until it's too late where he actually messes something up pretty big in his life, and now he has to move on from it. And I just think, you know, we, we, we can see that come from a mile away. I, I needed more of the... I wanted more from Zeke, like, realizing things. Like, when he is running speeding to the house after the police are in there like that's an exciting scene i'm like what is zeke about to do here and ultimately carries him away but he gets arrested the next day like there there are moments where i felt like there's really something they're saying something and it just didn't lean in a little hard enough for me and i think that's my my biggest criticism of the movie but still i i enjoyed watching it a lot um Getting into just some quick background production information, director and writer Jason Orley, this is his debut. This is, uh, he kind of, he's blowing up this year with Pete Davidson. He also directed and produced his his comedy special that's on Netflix right now. Um, This guy, wow, guys, he he was living in his aunt and uncle's guest house when he wrote this movie. It was on the 2014 blacklist. Holy cow. And, And it was optioned twice, but fell apart twice. And then when Davidson came on board, the movie just fast-tracked, premiered at Sundance, Hulu got it. Uh, and, you know, he even went as far to say, like, he wrote it as a young single man in his aunt and uncle's guest house. Now he's married with children, and it's it's on Hulu. And I think more people than ever are seeing it because of the whole coronavirus situation. He also went as far as to say, like, the Zeke character was inspired by someone in his real life, which I mm. I kind of felt that. This did feel like a lot of the the dialogue was kind of close to home. Um, mm-hmm. Even if it wasn't 
the best for all the characters a lot of times, but it was inspired a lot by Matthew McConaughey's character in Dazed and Confused. Yeah. Which I was also getting a, a big vibe on. Um, he talked about the Bechdel test, but he was also saying that the, the female characters were smarter than any of the boys. Uh, just some interesting background. I'm, it's cool to hear about that. Like this is, this sounds like a, a massive passion project and now it's a Hulu movie. I mean, there's, there's so many movies yeah. that are on the blacklist. They're never see the light of day. Uh, what do you think Trina? Like are, are ultimately I, I, I'm happy for him that this happened and I yeah. can't see what he does next. But uh, it's kind of crazy that, that just the timeline of this movie to production. For sure. I mean, from a screenwriting point of view, I, especially what we were talking about before it being a boys movie, you write what you know. Mm. And so I think that it's important to give slack there because, you know, when someone has a passion project, no one's in charge of what that looks like and you tell your reality in it. And I think it's amazing that it finally went up. I don't think it's a, it didn't deserve it by any means. It's totally a movie, a watchable movie that people will get something from for sure. And I think during a time like this where we're watching millions and millions of movies and TV shows, it fits in as one of the things that we watched and we got through and we liked some parts and we didn't and that's just how it was. So I'm really happy for him because I think that's very cool and that just doesn't happen the way it happened for him. Massive shout out. Uh, anything on this, Brian, for Jason Horley? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, not really. Just, I mean, shout out to him. I'm super excited that he got this to go through. And it was interesting to, to, when you mentioned that Pete, Pete Davidson is kind of what pushed it through because um, I'm going to shout out to Ariana Grande again because she made him famous. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but <laughs> but it's pop, so pop. funny. And just really quick, I have to just laugh at this because that's why I was kind of like covering my mouth. Whenever someone says passion project, I always <laughs> think of passion party. And I'm not going to bring up what that oh, is. I'm my- People who know what that is, but literally, when everyone's like, you know, it's just a passion project, I'm like, it's a what? Oh my! Oh boy! I'm just curious, as someone who doesn't, who isn't as familiar with Ariana Grande, were there any miscellaneous like references to her throughout this movie, or no, 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 no. there was nothing. I would have, I would have caught it, and I would have said something. (laughs) (laughs) It would have been fire. It would have been what the whole thing, this whole show, would have been about. Just the Ariana Easter eggs. But um, yeah. talking about Easter eggs and trivia, we're throwing it to Trina Dong. He's got some trivia on this movie. Trina, Yay! take it away. I hope that these are hard. But as we've been talking, I feel like they're kind of not. So we're just going to go with it. Okay. All right. The first one. Which member of the cast has won? Wait, what are we doing? Names? Say your name and that's how you buzz in? Yeah, let's say name. So Bryant will be Bryant. I'll be Nilsson because Ryan sounds similar to Bryant. Uh, so that. okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> perfect. Okay, so which cast member has won two Emmys? Oh god. Um, oh my gosh, I'm so good at this. Ryan. Yes, Ryan. I'm gonna go with Pete Davidson. No, no, God, I would be offended. SNL? I don't know. I... <laughs> okay. Actually, he might have, but no, no. <laughs> Got it. Uh, I think I know who it is. Um, yeah. God, I forgot what his name was. You guys just mentioned him. Um, the dad. Yes, John Cryer. Oh, <laughs> duh! You're the one that did all this John Cryer research, right? For... Of course. Two it was for men. two and a half men. Yes, I figured that. I was like, mm, okay. It. Bravo. Also, shout out it. to my favorite movie, Pretty in Pink, and he played Ducky, and it's 
the best. I didn't know that was your <laughs> favorite movie. Oh my god. Oh yeah. 80s all the way. That's, that's why I love him so much. That's my favorite piece of trivia right there. That, that's my favorite movie? Fun. Yeah. Use it. <laughs> love it. All okay. Right. Which member of the cast or crew was in a movie with Robert De Niro? God. Uh, I'm a director. <laughs> it wouldn't be that. <laughs> Robert De Niro. Yeah. Okay, okay Brian. Yes. Maybe Pete Davidson? No. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Is every answer you have going to be Pete Davidson? No, sorry. That was Ryan first. Sorry. I'm like, SNL, so maybe he was there. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe that, but a movie. A movie. Um, I'm trying to think if, if Griffin has been in anything with... God, did Griffin... No. I'm going to go... Recently. <laughs> All right, Ryan. I'm going to go... Emily Arlook. No. No. Wait, 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 Kate. Well, okay. Wait. What? Can you can you give us the movie? Yes. Okay. Ready? Yes. The intern. Oh. Oh, I can watch that. Oh, can I guess <laughs> again? Brian, you'd like it. Ryan, I have go. seen it. Jason Orley. Yeah. Because the director. Yeah, because he has one acting credit, and I'm pretty sure it's that. That's so funny. I was thinking of him. I was like, wait, I don't think it would be him because we mentioned that this is his first big project. So, but acting in it. Oh my God. That's so interesting. It's him. He's funny. He was the, he was an IT guy and Robert De Niro fixed him up. Oh, that's oh right. My God. Yeah, it's a heartwarming movie. I think you'd really like it, Brian. I love I that movie. Brian, you got to watch it. It's available for streaming now. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay. Which cast member has starred in either a net... Netflix film or series every year for the last three years. Brian. Yes. Griffin Gluck. Yay! Mm. <laughs> I was like, Lock and Key. <laughs> I, I know Lock and Key. I know he did one last year. Um, oh. Oh, I'll on. tell you. You want me to tell you? You want to go? Yes, please. Yes, go, go. Okay, so Tall Girl. Yeah. Remember that? I knew it. I saw film. that. Oh. I don't remember that. <laughs> It was you. It's not. I, I didn't want to watch it. Not on brand. <laughs> um, American Vandal. Oh, okay. Oh. And Lock and Key. Nice. Oh, wow. I didn't know he was an American Vandal. I love American Vandal. Yeah, and he was the he was one of the leads in the movie too. So yeah. killing it, Griffin oh, Gluck. Yes. Is there any more? There's two more. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm loving this. By the way, this is so much okay. fun. Okay. Which cast member is on a Blackish spinoff? Eyes. Spinoff. Um, so wait. Bryant. Oh. Bryant. I don't know his name though. It, not Machine Gun Kelly, but the other guy. It's not a guy. So. Eh. Oh damn it! Eh. I was like, there's, <laughs> not, there's nobody of color in this movie except that but wait, one guy. But it's a spinoff, so it could be. It could either be grownish. Oh or yeah, it could be, be grownish. Is mix is mixedish one? I think that's new one. Yeah. Oh damn. Okay. I'm, okay. It's, it's, gr- the, it's grownish. It's grownish. That okay. the person is in. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's probably one of the high school. Brian, you don't watch Grownish? No, I need to watch that I too. Shocked! I want to. Show. I know I need to watch that. Ah, before it's my gig. Okay, I'm just gonna go Ryan Sweeney. It's Sydney Sweeney. No. Shoot. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you. It is Emily Arlook who played Kate. She plays one of their best friends. She's a part of the crew. I guessed her uh, earlier. Shoot. She is so funny in really? that show 
yes, it's really, it's a good 25 minuter. Give it a go. She was great in this. I, I, I mean, I she, thought so too. She didn't have a lot yeah. of scenes, and I think I knew her from. Uh, she has like an episode in The Good Place. <laughs> like I, oh really? That, that's yeah. the random thing I knew her from. But that seems uh, right. Her character is really different in Grownish too, so she appears to be a really great actor. And she's a regular. Yeah. She's oh yeah, she's one of the like the five stars, one of the five best. Oh friends. nice. I'll have to check it out. Okay, final one. Which. Two cast members starred in a recent Netflix biopic. Biopic. Netflix biopic. Together. Hmm. Together. Ca- okay. Biopic. It's not B. Davidson. No. Mm-mm. Biopic. Oh. Oh, you made that face. Is it P. Davidson? <laughs> it's, um, it's not B. Davidson. Uh. Is <laughs> that? I don't know. You have to tell me. All right, I'm gonna. It it's. Are, I have a question. Because we, we haven't guessed yet, so we're having issues. Mm-hmm. Um, are they? Do they share a scene in this movie? Yeah. Oh. They're like they co-starred in this film, like together. You said recent? with with a couple of other people. Yes. Ooh. 2019. Wait. Okay. I need to. Are you googling his, Ryan? No, no, I'm not. Hands little... are up. Hands are up. <laughs> um, it's his friend. It's his it, Alden. It's like Alden. I'm gonna go. Al, okay, Ryan, buzzing in. Ryan. Al, Alden, Ryan. Alden Arthur, <laughs> and I'm just gonna throw out Griffin Gluck. No. Shoot. Did I get one of them right? Who is Alden Arthur? He was like the friend who wanted to be cool, oh, yeah, and no. then he was like in the car crash. I was trying to figure out who that kid though. is. He's a Disney. Oh kid, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah I, oh. I think he okay. is a Disney kid. You have five more seconds. Brian. Uh, uh, is Griffin Gluck one of them? No. P. Davidson one of them? Yes. Okay, P. Davidson and... Um, P. Davidson's one of the them? The girl from Grownish. No. Eh, guys. <laughs> Dang. Come on. It was P. Davidson and Colson Baker, Machine Gun Kelly. They were in oh. the Motley Crew biopic together. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that was Dang. a Netflix one. It was called The Dirt. Oh, I didn't see that. Oh, I, thought, know. I probably saw P. Davidson and I tuned out immediately. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Brian showing the true colors at the Wait, end here. How do you, I don't think I got, how do you feel about Pete Davidson, Brian? I mean, um, don't have a takeaway. So, have you heard um, Ariana Grande's Ariana Grande's song from, from Charlie's Angels, How I Look On You? No, I missed that oh. one. So I, that's how I feel. In okay. that song, she basically talks about how this one guy she was with basically took her fame that he gave her and ran with it so that's what i'm feeling so i'm gonna just stop there (laughs) in that case you should watch pete davidson on hot ones because i think you'd uh like watching it i I, the only fun i actually really like that hot ones episode uh yeah i'm like i'm kind of indifferent on him i i think when he's on he's on for me but honestly when he's younger when he was younger his stand-up so good yeah, I I don't really have like that thorough of an opinion, uh, but I did follow that Ariana and him timeline pretty. pretty <laughs> but uh, y'all, we're wrapping up here. Uh, just closing out. I I'm I'm gonna give it like a quick rating for this movie. Uh, like out of ten, I'd probably give this like a six point eight. Like I think it's it's decent. I I do. I probably recommend it to a few 
friends of mine. Um, I don't think this is anything like groundbreaking. It's not rewriting a coming of the age movie. And I do think I it left me a little frustrated points, but it is funny. I think it is entertaining. And I thought this was like a, a, a pretty solid debut for the director. Um, but it's, it's not rewriting the wheel or anything. Uh, Trina, final thoughts. Uh, if we're going with numbers, I would say only a six out of 10. You can keep your point eight. <laughs> and I thought, listen, it made sense to me. It's totally a Sundance movie, that type of film, an indie movie that would come out of that with a couple of names. It all makes sense to me. I'm glad I watched it. Uh, and I would recommend it to a certain type of person, someone that <laughs> likes well, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's a very specific genre. No, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, yes. final thoughts. Yes, I would definitely recommend it to only a specific group of friends. <laughs> people who <laughs> people who like, like, who are actual movie buffs, like, who really, Sheed. like, tune into, like, storylines and character development. Right. Because if people just watch it passively, you won't get it. And you will just be, you'll be even more frustra- frustrated than we are. So that is definitely a thing that I wouldn't recommend to people. I would probably give it a, maybe a five, just because the guys weren't hot enough for me. And that's my <laughs> biggest thing. <laughs> Honestly, Love word. It. That makes sense to me. <laughs> makes so total sense. Uh, y'all, thank you so much for tuning into this edition of Anatomy of a Movie. Again, I'm Ryan Nilsson. You can follow me at Ryan Nilsson, N-I-L-S-E-N on Twitter. Um, Trina Dong, where can the fans find you? Y'all can find me on Twitter and Instagram at hey, Trina Dong. And Bryant. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at the Brian Saunders, and also check out Quarantine with the Stars. And check yeah. out all of his awesome articles and, and Trina's as well. They're two of our biggest writers for Afterbus TV and Popcorn Talk. Check them out, y'all. Thank you so much. This is Anatomy of a Movie. What do you want us to review next? What are you watching during quarantine? Please comment below. Give us a rating on iTunes. We will shout you out on air. Until next time, this is Anatomy of a Movie. Bye. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network. We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.